Before I share a few words and a, a few thoughts on the Beatitudes, I wanted to share a couple of thoughts on uh, Remembrance Day, if I may, if you'll bear with me. I guess it's something which uh, is very personal to each one of us. I, though you may not think so, I wasn't old enough to fight in the Second World War, or in any wars to be honest. Um, but obviously I knew people now who have gone, gone on who did. But my first reflection as I, as I think of people on Remembrance Day, I always think of my father. Now my father never spoke about the war. He spoke very little and only when he was asked questions about it. I remember we moved from London I was about six at the time, I think, to a little village in Oxfordshire. And uh, it wasn't that long after the war, it was the early 1950s, and of course, children then still used to play war games. Cowboys and Indians and English against Germans and all that sort of stuff. I'm sure many of you older ones will remember that. That's the sort of thing we used to play running around the street with toy guns. When I think back on it, it makes me shudder really. But that's my memories. And of course the boys there in the village used to talk about their fathers, what their fathers had done in the war. My father was at Dunkirk, my father was on the Allied landings, my father fought in the Far East. And I thought, well why doesn't my dad ever tell me about what he did in the war? And I began to be, as I grew, I began to get curious about this. And uh, I asked mum about it, and she said, well, perhaps you need to speak to him. So one day I sat down with his dad, and I told him this. I said, I just wanted to know what your experience was of the war, how it affected you. And uh, he said, it affected me very greatly. I said, did you not fight? Did you not go to war? Was there a reason you didn't go? Did you not feel that it was a just cause? And he said, no, I wanted to fight, I wanted to go to war. Uh, he was a painter and decorator, that's his trade. And he said, on the day that war was uh, declared, within a few days I'd gone down to the recruiting centre. I wanted to be in the Navy. He was small of stature like me. He wanted to be a submariner. And he, he went along and they looked at what he did, asked him what he did. And it looked good, you know, he, yeah, he was fit, he was healthy. And then they said, wait a minute, what's this we see? We see that you've been an auxiliary fireman for the last four years, that you volunteered for the fire service as well as doing your normal job on top. He says, yes, that's correct. He says, there's no way we can allow you to go off to war because you will need to be here in London because you expect heavy bombardment and we will need you and my dad was very disappointed he confessed to me he was very very disappointed in that because he wanted to go away but of course as it turned out with all that happened in the Blitz he saw some terrible scenes some horrific scenes he saw people that were blown to bits and it caused him great, a great deal of pain he never used to talk about it a lot 
occasionally did, but not very often. And uh, he then said to me, my mum said to me, actually, has he ever told you his story? And I said, no, what story is that, mum? He said, well, there was one day, he was half an hour late for his shift. And in that half hour, as he was walking to the fire station, a bomb landed direct hit on the fire station. And all his friends, all his mates were killed. And uh, if he had been on time, I wouldn't have been here. It's a, it's a, he never spoke about it. I asked him about it, but he said, look, son, I, I don't really want to talk about it too much. It, it caused me a great deal of grief. And why I'm telling you this story is that as we remember, we think of the armed forces, but obviously remembrance of conflict brings about a much wider story, which we need to take on board as well. I have a friend who's a, a minister, he's retired now, in the United Reformed Church. And at one time his church was in the West End, very west of London, in Ealing. Very cosmopolitan congregation, as you may well expect. And uh, he used to go along there, and then it came to his very first Remembrance Sunday in the church. And so he went along, and he was really surprised, because he saw quite a lot of people who came, that never came to church normally, but came in and they had their rows of medals all along their chest. And he thought, oh well, that's fine, no problem with them coming, you know, absolutely not. It's good that we're here and we can remember together. But then he realised that he had a very major problem because the bulk of his church was made up of Japanese businessmen. So thinking back to the last war, you can possibly realise the conflict that that brought him into. He got through it okay. He got through it fine. Because he was the sort of guy who, was a, who could carry people with him. But he changed his service, he said, from then on. He said he got people, because it was a cosmopolitan congregation, he got people from wherever they came from, to bring along a poppy on Remembrance Sunday. And he put a blanket in the front of the church and asked people to lay their poppy and to say who they were remembering, whether it be individuals or a part of the world. And uh, I thought that was quite a, a, a moving way to do it, really. He brought it, personalised it so much more. And of course... And of course, <laughs> you want me to speed up? <laughs> and of course, that's the way it is, isn't it? You know, we, we, we realise that the Remembrance Sunday, when we remember, it goes much, much wider, much, much wider than just our own thoughts. But all this leads me into thinking about Jesus and thinking about the Beatitudes. Now, Firstly, when we look at the Beatitudes, we have to understand who Jesus was speaking to and what Jesus did. He was surrounded by the crowds, he was beginning to teach them, but then he called his disciples away from them. He called them apart, he called them separately. 
when we read scripture we always have to realize who Jesus was actually speaking to but when he's talking to disciples to his disciples he's talking it's about me and you he's talking to you and me and he says some things which are incredibly challenging as we've heard from the reading when I when I uh, was asking God what I should speak about this morning he said share share with the congregation my sadness I had the word sadness come to me sadness because of all the sadness that he sees in his world and the pain and the suffering he felt that was a, a real a pain in his heart and I think it should be the same for us as well when we see the world, when I watch the news, I just feel such a, such a, an anguish more than I used to, I think, when I see people like refugees, millions of refugees now, standing in and living in the cold, the threat of war all around the world, despite what we've been saying today, and you think, well, do we remember enough, do we act enough to try to change things but Jesus here is talking to his disciples and it's like a self-portrait of himself how he was but he wants us to be like him and it's a challenge for us I often read these scriptures and to be honest with you I don't read them very often because I find them to be such a challenge to my own heart I know what I'm like I know some of the things I've I, I'm concerned about I'm concerned about my own sin my own weakness, my own faults as I'm sure we all are if we're genuinely walking with God and we say Lord forgive us give me another chance and God does because that's what God's like he forgives us that's the whole message of the gospel but he does want to try and change us into, into his likeness into his being because we want a relationship with him which is right and because we want a relationship with others which is right and we want to show his love and we want to show his kindness to others I thought I'd just mention a couple of, from the Beatitudes if I may firstly when in this manifesto if you like you could say this is a manifesto which would never get voted on in an election day because it's entirely different to what the world promises you flies in the face of the way the world operates because it says that we've got to make ourselves poor in spirit which is exactly the opposite to what the world asks of us the world offers us riches and say this is the way to go wealth success but Jesus says no I want you to become poor in spirit because then we can relate to people themselves who are poor in spirit. In God's kingdom, it's those who see their own need and see their own suffering and see their own hurt who go to God and ask forgiveness and ask for help. And I hope that's something which we, we all agree with and, and go to, that we go to Jesus ourselves. He also said, blessed are the meek. 
Now, there's a tendency to think Jesus is nice, and he's so kind, and he never says a word in anger. But that's not what the scripture says, because he spoke with great passion and great criticism against all forms of hypocrisy and challenge, deceit, vanity, manipulation, and oppression. His heart is a gentle heart. He weeps with those who weep. He won't break the bruised reed or snuff out the faltering wick. He responds to people's sufferings. I'm sure, and we pray, that he is with the Oldman family right at this moment and during this difficult time for them. And I'm sure that we will all pray for them at this time. He offers courage to the faint-hearted. He heals their wounds. He brings good news to the poor. And in all he says and does, he reveals God's great compassion. And as his followers, we are called to that same gentleness. And Jesus mourns. Chris has already, already covered, covered this quite extensively, so I won't go through it again. But just to say, he grieves with those who grieve and sheds tears with those who cry. And there have been times in my life when I've cried and when I've just had to say, Lord, and I felt it, that Jesus has been crying with me. And I'm sure that's true for all of us. We could all relate to experiences that cause us to be like that. In the Bible, there were two instances really where Jesus showed his compassion to the people of the day. The widow's son in Luke, where he brought back to life the widow's only son. He brought him back to life as an act of compassion. And of course, we all know the story of Lazarus. Lazarus, he brought back to life because he loved him so much and he loved his sister so much, Mary and Martha. But of course, that's the great hope we all have and that is that Jesus will one day bring us all back to life. And what a joy that will be. That is our hope. Through all the struggles and pains of life, the fact is that Jesus promises to be with us, he promises to help us, and he promises that one day there will be a time when we shall rise and we shall be with him forever and ever. That is the hope. And that is the hope that we seek to convey to our world. That is the hope that we must bring to our world as God's people. And that's why he wants to make us people of his own heart we read in the Beatitudes so that we can identify and show that same love and compassion. Thank you.